covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. We welcome you into another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. It's always great to be talking to you. I always enjoy being able to talk baseball here for a little while and specifically talking about the Brewers. But this week, it is especially good to be speaking with you because we're actually talking about baseball stuff a little bit. It's no longer just a podcast focused in on labor negotiations between Major League Baseball owners and players. Instead, we actually have baseball things that are going to be happening as it would appear that we are en route to a season starting in less than a month. There's still still some challenges to get to that point, especially from a uh, public health standpoint. But right now, it would appear that in all likelihood we are going to have baseball and that is good news and something that we have not been able to say here for a while. Our normal housekeeping items here at the top of the podcast, if you want to get in contact with me, best way to do so is via Twitter. Find me on Twitter at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. And also I encourage you, if you listen to this podcast on Apple Podcast, to uh, leave a ranking and review and also subscribe to the podcast as well. And thank you to everybody. Like I really mean this. This isn't just some guy who talks about the Brewers who's just saying this. I, I take a look at the, the listenership numbers on an every week basis, and as you might expect, and this happens always in the offseason, as you might expect, the numbers have dipped a little bit, but they haven't dipped considerably and there's a lot of people who have been listening to this podcast on an every week basis and there's a pretty good chance you're one of those people and I just want to say thank you to everybody for uh, continuing to uh, listen to this podcast it really does mean a lot that that many people would continue to listen to uh, an hour or so every week of me talking about the brewers and having people on and everything but it's fun and i'm glad we're doing it and i'm glad that we're actually going to be able to uh talk about baseball here a little bit on this podcast this week our featured guest conversation coming up in just a few moments i believe it is the first time i have had him on the podcast i've had him on wtmj actually on the radio but as far as the actual podcast i don't know if i've ever had him on i don't think i have uh will salmon is going to join us he covers the brewers for the athletic he is going into his uh first season as the brewers beat writer for the athletic and what an interesting season and what an interesting time to join a beat where you're around spring training a little bit but then things get shut down and you're working to try to still come up with a uh, compelling content and stories and everything he's done a fantastic job with that so we'll talk to will here in just a few moments do want to get into a little bit of what happened over the course of the last week and look i'm just glad there's going to be baseball i'm glad it's going to be a 60 game season it could have been a 48 game season it could have been a 52 game season it's gonna be a 60 game season would have i liked more sure but 60 is actually on the high end of what you thought it was going to be uh, based off everything that happened over the week. Uh, Baseball players rejected the final proposal from owners. Uh, The owners tweaked a few things and that extended the period of when players were going to vote. But when all was said and done, it was a overwhelming majority who voted against it. At that point, the ball was in the court of Rob Manfred, who could unilaterally push forward with a season of any length 
He did go with 60 games. I'm not one to heap praises on Manfred, and, and certainly there's there's some blood on Manfred's hands for everything that, that we saw here over the last couple months. But at the very least, at the very least, I'm glad he went with the 60-game schedule. He could have gone with the 50-game schedule almost to kind of stick it to the players. I think that would have looked petty. It also... To be fair on all counts, if there is a grievance that is filed by the players, which is expected, it would not have looked good because it was it was his responsibility to play as many games as possible. So it would not have been a good look for him to offer 60 games to the players and then when that got rejected, come back with a proposal closer to 50 games. So I understand from just a from a putting together the case to win a potential grievance, 60 games was certainly the route to go down. But we saw a lot of pettiness in this. We saw a lot of pettiness throughout this entire period, and I don't think anybody would have been shocked if it would have been a 52-game schedule or, or, or something in that neighborhood. So at least we get 60 games of baseball this year. They were able to work through the health and safety protocols. That was a lot easier said than done. Uh, It is a huge document. What started as like a 67-page document ballooned to well over 100 pages. There are going to be a lot of things that are going to be in place as they try to do their best to stop the spread of the coronavirus, and even more importantly than that, just keeping players healthy. And look, you can find all the different things that are going to be in part of this year's season as a result of health and safety. We're not going to go over all those things right now. I I commend baseball for doing what they're doing to try to make this as safe as possible. Um, I was what's the word? Not disappointed, but I was just I was a little concerned. Uh, my my antennas went up a little bit more with what I've seen happen with golf here over the last couple of weeks. Uh, this past weekend, a number of golfers had to pull out of the PGA Tour event as a result of either testing positive for the coronavirus or having a caddy that tested positive. And golf is a sport kind of like baseball where there's social distancing. Now, the the big difference between the two is all the travel that's going to be done during a Major League Baseball season. The travel is going to be done together and it's going to be controlled where golfers are on their own getting from one city to the next city and there's the restrictions aren't there quite as much as they're going to be for baseball players specifically on the road. So it's, it's not an apples-to-apples apples comparison, but I think what has happened on the PGA Tour just proves really how easy it is to contract this thing. And we're going to be watching to see what's the number. What's the number going to be where enough guys have the coronavirus where it's it doesn't make sense to continue on? And I hope it never gets to that number. I hope what, what we're seeing is, okay, two guys have it, three guys have it, four guys have it. That's, that's still okay. That's still... Uh, you're still able to to play baseball, but what is the number where you really have to kind of stop things, pause things, suspend things, whatever it might be? I don't know the answer to that question. Rob Manfred does have the power that if all of a sudden the you can really question the legitimacy of what's going on, if it looks more like AAA baseball and not Major League Baseball because of how many guys are not available to play because they've been placed in quarantine, he can pull the plug on this. Now, they are not that would be 
you talk about a nuclear option, that's the nuclear option. Because the entire plan here for the owners is to just get to the postseason. Once you get to the postseason, the money grows exponentially, and you can try to uh, make up for what you some of what you lost during the 60-game regular season. I still think there's a pretty good chance that the players and owners come to some type of an agreement on an expanded postseason. I think there's a... I, there's not a lot of reasons not to do the expanded postseason as far as I'm concerned because players make their postseason money based off attendance. And while maybe we might have some level of fans being able to attend games this year in the postseason, that certainly is not guaranteed. There is absolutely a possibility that there's another wave that's coming that's really going to uh, not allow any fans and it, that's a little bit of a gamble. If you can expand the postseason and work with the major league owners where you can guarantee yourself a certain amount of money for playoff teams and players who are in the playoffs, it makes sense. And from the owner's standpoint, they can maximize the money they're going to make even that much more by having expanded playoffs. So I don't know when that decision has to be made. We're not that far out from getting a season underway. Uh, but I think the you know there, there's been rumblings out there that there are at least some kind of informal conversations going on between the players and the owners about maybe revisiting the expanded postseason, I think there's a pretty good chance that that happens. I think everybody benefits. The only problem would be the potential expanded uh, postseason taking a little bit longer, but it really wouldn't take that much longer because you've already got the wild card game as it is right now, or the wild card. Uh, yeah, the, the so the games that would be played extra would basically be played in that time frame. So it's only going to add maybe extra two, three days to uh, to the season. So I don't know. I think that happens. Uh, I'm not. I'm not convinced of it. I don't know if I'm 51, 49, 60, 40. I don't know what it is, but it just it makes too much sense. And there's too much money that would be left on the table, really, for both sides if they don't agree to it. That being said, they don't agree on a lot. Maybe, just maybe, the agreement that they came together on when it comes to health and safety protocols that that's going to be. That's going to be the thing that really gets the two sides talking a little bit. They, they were able to agree on that. So maybe that starts things moving where now they can maybe agree on an expanded postseason and that continues to help the relationship where when the collective bargaining agreement does come up after not this summer season but next season that maybe they're already in this mode of being able to work through things. That's probably a very utopian thought process by me, but I'll go with it. I, uh, I'm a positive thinker, and that's what I am hopeful uh, may end up happening. So I say all that, and now it is time to welcome in our featured guest on the podcast. And my goodness, uh, you talk about a tough situation from kind of a, a career journalistic standpoint. You got a guy who uh, gets a, a new gig. He moves over to covering the Brewers for The Athletic after having been covering uh, the Florida Gators for a while. And... and gets a little bit of a taste of spring training and then all of a sudden things shut down and it's been uh, it's been interesting for everybody who has been covering baseball covering sports for that matter it's been very interesting everything's going on but uh, for somebody who's just stepping into a new role as well it's got to be that much more challenging so with that we welcome on to the podcast will salmon he covers the brewers for the athletic you can follow him on twitter at will salmon that's w 
W-I-L-L-S-A-M-M-O-N. Will, thank you so much for uh, taking a little bit of time. How are you? I'm doing really well, like you said, Matt. Just not how I exactly drew it up when I took the position, but happy to have baseball hopefully back in full swing pretty soon. Yeah, you come from the world of covering college athletics. You were covering Florida athletics, and now you're covering Major League Baseball, and you're covering the Brewers. What's I guess? But let's just start from the beginning. What was the motivation for you? You were at the Athletic covering Florida. What was the motivation in wanting to change beats? Well, it came down to just what I really wanted to pursue my, throughout my whole career in journalism, and that's always been baseball. You know, I kind of got into college football. Um, sort of in a funky way, a little bit by default, where I kind of follow, followed the openings that were available to me. And I was grateful for the opportunities, and I loved the positions. And I would not have left the Gators beat for covering you know, covering the Florida Gators in particular. Um, I, I really like that job, so I would not have left that one if not for the type of opportunity that checked a bunch of boxes for me. So first, it had to be a baseball gig. That was the only way I would have switched. It was. Secondly, it had to be a team that I thought I would enjoy covering, um, that I would have fun covering. And when I look at the, the Brewers, I, I didn't really know much about Milwaukee itself, but I knew about what the Brewers have been doing for the past couple of years under David Stearns and uh, manager Craig Council, and it looks fun. You know, what uh, this, the, the approach they have, it, it's been creative, it's worked out, it's been a heck of a ride from afar, uh, just in watching it every September, it seems like. Uh, uh, for like a wild ride down the stretch and couple all of that with the idea of, hey, there's also this super, superstar in Christian Yelich that you're able to kind of cover and be around and chronicle for that fan base that I know for sure loves that team and follows it religiously, uh, regardless of the win-loss record throughout the years. So it all added up to a really uh, dream opportunity. Sorry to be so cheesy with that, but it's really how it is because you start from going to the sport that you wanted to cover to a team that kind of fits what you were looking to do professionally. And so from there, I wouldn't want to say it was like the easiest decision, but it was made easier because of the circumstances. So that kind of nudged me. Um, and I'm grateful for it, man. Happy, happy for it. Uh, certainly the global pandemic threw a wrench into yeah. what I envisioned for myself. But nonetheless, it's, it's been a fun ride. I've, I've tried to make the most of the last few months and focus now on trying to ramp up some coverage, looking ahead to what appears to be at least uh, a little fun little strange season ahead of us. So I want to go back to something you said, because something that Craig Council has said to me and said to pretty much every media member at some point in time is, as he, as he helps cultivate a clubhouse culture, it's really important to him that guys can be who they are, that who you are, the who you are as an individual, your personality, that you can be comfortable being that person inside of the Brewers clubhouse. And I don't think that's true across baseball. In fact, I've always said that I think that's one of Craig Council's greatest skills as a manager is he everybody feels comfortable on the team. And I think that does manifest itself at times in when you're watching them, and maybe you were just watching them in the postseason over the last couple of years or down the stretch, you see how much fun they're having, and it seems like a, a, a good group, and you've used the word fun. It's interesting, though. I, I've never thought about that in terms of it being 
pleasing and a desirable team to cover as a result of the fun that they seem to be having. But what you're kind of saying is, yeah, absolutely, that you were drawn to this team because of clearly the type of culture and the fun that they like to have. Question. I mean, I, I can't stress it enough that I was super happy doing what I was doing. You know, I was covering the Florida Gators. I was living in Florida. It's nice weather. <laughs> it's great all year round. It's a great place to live. Uh, so I was, I mean, I, career-wise, I was pretty satisfied. So again, it had to be like one of those opportunities where I could see myself being there for a while and really grow into the role of the transition to being to going to be a baseball writer. And I feel like Milwaukee would will provide that market that allows that sort of growth. Um, and then the roster itself appealed to me, where even just being a lifetime baseball fan like myself, I obviously was close to these people, but you kind of get a feel for their stories just through the the uh, journalism that's produced about them and around them. And so a guy like a, a suitor or a veteran like a Ryan Braun, I mean, there's there's multitudes to these guys. Like, they're not just ball players, a lot of them. And that's, that's appealing. I mean, guys like Brandon Woodruff uh, comes from a small town in Mississippi. So it's like, I don't know, it, it's just one of those rosters that's just a fun breakdown in that regard where you have guys from different places, different backgrounds, uh, different ethnicities. So it's easy to bounce around from one conversation to the next. But while you're in that clubhouse as well, um, from my time just in the spring, uh, short-lived, albeit, but still, it was good to be around those guys and just uh, those kind of free-falling conversations. In college athletics, there are some restrictions um, in how often there are media availabilities and things like that. Now, we don't know what everything is going to look like in the post-pandemic world, but one aspect of baseball is the everyday aspect of it. When everything is open, before a game, you can get there, you can be in the clubhouse, you can have these one-on-one conversations. Baseball is probably the one sport, again, when things are normal and not under pandemic circumstances, baseball is the one sport where you really have the opportunity to tell stories if you find them. Just not even Brewers related, but just that aspect of it. How nice is that for somebody like you in your position? It's what you it's what you wish for because the best stories really start from organic conversations a lot of the times. And you're right. At the college level, you're not really afforded those opportunities to have a sort of normal for lack of a better way to put it, just a normal conversation where you just go up to somebody, ask how they're doing, ask how their family is doing, uh, find out a little bit about maybe what they did during an off day or they did over over the winter or something like that. Something, you know, it's just doesn't have much to do with on-the-field stuff. And that leads to one thing, and next thing, just how anything else does, whenever you talk to anybody else. And so college level, you're not really able to do that. Uh, it's quickly provide a reason why. A lot of the time, the team provides the people that you're talking to, and you're never sure when you're going to get that kid again. If he's you know, a player or, or even if he's a coach, you're never sure when you're going to see him again. And so in baseball, as you said, you see them every day. Is you're able to kind of build those conversations where – you don't have to, um, you know, just spend the whole conversation on one or two topics. You can kind of just go back to the same person the next day, uh, follow up with them if something hurts your interest that maybe you didn't catch that first time or that you reflected on. Um, and, yeah, just keep building it just like anything else. And so that that's the part that is kind of refreshing in a lot of ways uh, because it's totally different from what I was used to. 
So where, when when baseball shut down during spring training, were you still in Arizona at that point? And take me through that entire process for you of getting from all of a sudden they're not being baseball anymore to needing to, to, to get out of uh, Arizona and get to Wisconsin or wherever you were going. Yeah, it was a pretty wild turnaround for me, actually, because you know, I was covering Florida and signing day was right up against it as far as the start of spring training. They're about a week or so apart. About 10 days, to be exact. And the Athletics wanted me to stay and cover the Gators through signing day, which I had no problem with. I, Like I said, I love the job, and I would have volunteered to do that. And fr- Frankly, if I remember back, I may have done that, actually. That may have been how it worked. But regardless, I was there for signing day and had a few days off. actually wasn't feeling well, so I didn't really take advantage of those. But anyway, I uh, got to spring training in Arizona, but I didn't move. I went straight from Florida to Arizona, so I still had to make that move to Wisconsin. Hmm. Um, and I wanted to do that before opening day. So was in Arizona for about two weeks, went to went to Florida, drove to Wisconsin, and then went back to Arizona. And then two days later, that was the shutdown. And so it was a little bit up and down, and it was hard to kind of build stuff and, and keep the momentum going in that, in that way as far as uh, just talking with guys and then just building up stories. And so... Service in a big way, of course. Uh, but again, you reflect and you say, "Okay, I'm here. This allows me to at least learn more about the franchise, its history, learn more about the current team. It allows me to catch my breath." So you kind of find some silver linings with it all, and just continue to try to just do the best work you can. Because we still have people subscribing to the site, we still had a lot of readers to serve, and I try my best to do that despite the despite the weird circumstances. What has it been like for you as you've been looking for these stories and you have been forced to come up with with content all the time during a period where there's been very little direct access to the team? Stressful, but kind of enjoyable at the same time. Uh, It's kind of a weird mixture of both because in in a weird, twisty way, it's kind of what you want sometimes because it's like, okay, Absolutely nothing's going on, so I can invest in a story idea from looking at something from maybe 10 years ago that maybe was underreported or is still something that people talk about or wonder about that we never really got the whole story on, maybe, or there's still some questions lingering. There's nothing going on, so you might as well check into it. And people were interested in that kind of stuff. And so that part was enjoyable, actually. Um, now, how many of those times can you do that is the question, yeah. and how many stories are like that, and then that becomes a little bit part of the stressful part. Where, and sometimes, frankly, it just don't work out either. So it may be a great idea, and you may invest a little bit of time, and then sometimes it just doesn't work out. You know, you just don't get what you were looking for, um, and so that's happened a couple of times. But for the most part, I feel like I've, I've done okay with just trying to find things that click with some Brewers fans that. Uh, resonated on, on some level. One in particular that I liked toward the end, leading up to uh, the draft as well, which helped out coverage, was just to look back at the 2000 drafts, uh, you know, 2000, mm-hmm. 2008, when they were drafting guys like Prince Fielder and Corey Hart, Ryan Braun, Giovanni Gallardo, the list goes on and on. And I kind of built an oral history talking with about, uh, about 10 scouts uh, from that time period and just getting all the backstories about why they pick certain guys in certain rounds in certain years. And, and that was fun. And that was kind of like what I'm getting at um, to bring up an example of trying to do some deep dive projects. But 
again, it's tough because how many of those can you do and how many are worth investing, all those type of questions that you weigh and ponder while also trying to be cognizant of, hey, by the way, there's maybe a season going to happen. So you kind of have to have to keep that in the back of your mind as well. So uh, weird, weird circumstances. Um, but for the most part, you try to find the joy in it because at the end of the day, you're still just writing about a baseball team. And so for me, that's, that's what I've wanted to do. And yeah, a little bit quirky, but doing it and couldn't be happier. Does the experience, do you feel like it's made you a better writer, a better journalist? Good question. Yeah, it's made me, um, yeah, it's helped. It's definitely helped because it helps you sort of reflect on, on what is a good story and how much research I put into this uh, to, to get these answers. And you kind of have to think a little bit out of the box. You have to remain prepared. So it, it, it has taught you those type of lessons, at least from my point of view, because you were stripped with basically nothing uh, as a journalist, at this, as a baseball journalist at this point. Because after a while, you can't, you can only do so many stories about what would an 81 game season look like, what would a 98, all those type of stories that, of course, never, never mattered in this point because it became a 60 game season. And I tried not to do those just because it was all speculation and I had no idea how many games the season was going to be. So those didn't really interest me that much. Um, and there's only so many times you could write about a roster that may or may not ever play a game. So, yeah, it, it forced you to be creative in ways that uh, pushed your, what you thought were your limits. And I felt like I, I kind of grew from that. So, yeah, um, not necessarily what I would sign up for in a course for growth, but hey, that's, that's what I was given. So. You look at the roster of people covering baseball for the athletic, and, and obviously from a national standpoint, you see Rosenthal and Drellich and Stark and, uh, and and those guys, and then you look at the people who are covering at the local level as well. It's it's a really incredible group of, of people who cover baseball. Has there been a, much communication between all the baseball writers? I mean, do you, guys, do you guys lean on each other at the athletic, or is it more about being on an island? Um, there's no better teammates than Ken Rosenthal and Jason Stark, and, and Mark Rick, for that matter, another one of our national writers. And as I say that name, I think of Andy McCullough as well. Yeah. And then uh, as I say that name, I think about somebody like uh, uh, Trent Rosecrans, who covers the Reds for us, who's been more than helpful, or Matt Gelb, who covers who has covered the Phillies and is more of a Hollis role, I feel like, in that role at this point, but covers the Phillies for a long time. Um, those guys could not have been more helpful in the transition for me and it's great having a teammate like a Ken Rosenthal because he's just so plugged in. But the best thing about Ken is that he kind of goes out of his way to help you too. And it's like, oh, wow, this guy is, I mean, like, you're Ken Rosenthal. You don't have to go out of your way to help me, but he does. And um, I feel like they're not, you know, not just the athletic, but the industry as a whole would be so, so much better served if there were more people like that. I think there are a good amount of those people in the industry as a whole across the board, but. Man, uh, his approach, he will help you out with everything he has. Um, and you just don't know that. You know, you see a guy, national acclaim like himself, um, and you just don't know, but uh, that's really how it is. So it's a good team to be on. Um, very fortunate. And I, I, I'm biased, of course, but you know, I do take our group. Um, I do take our group, and I put up against any, anything going on in the country in terms of quality. And uh, just super grateful to be part of it generally as a as a journalist you're not rooting for anything you're covering something but i think 
as we were watching these labor negotiations, I think it was a little bit different because a lot of people who cover baseball, you cover baseball, you love baseball. And I think we were all rooting for baseball to be played. And that wasn't always a foregone conclusion just for everything that we've already talked about. And, you know, the fact that you're getting ready for your first year on this new beat, you want to cover a team. We want to see baseball. Was it, is there an, is it an emotional experience for you as we're all sitting here learning about what's going on in the negotiations and at one moment it looks like nothing's going to happen and the next moment oh they're going to get a deal done and it just seems like almost every day there was a new story coming out yeah you know at first um i was kind of um when when you were heard about okay they're they're talking about this certain uh proposal you got very high on it you're like okay that's great that's gonna happen and then it got either countered or sat on it for a couple of days. And that became the routine for a few weeks. After the first one, I was like, okay, I'm not going, this is, I, I read the situation. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to be emotionally invested here until it gets super close because maybe I had a different opinion than a lot of people, um, big people. Um, but I just felt like knowing intense labor negotiations between an owner group, that is so wealthy, like baseballs, with a union that is so powerful, like the Players Association, it's not going to be that easy. It's just, I just didn't think it would be um, when all that red tape was brought to the surface beyond just the health and safety protocols. Um, because the season was never able to get going, they had to figure out that financial aspect. And so I, from a far end, from being a writer's point of view, Maybe, again, my opinion was different, but I just kind of, I guess, accepted it, that that was going to be it. And I, and I know that people will, will think it's ugly, and it probably was, and it definitely was from a PR standpoint, I should say, but I don't know. I, there were so many people who were so quick to say, I'll never watch baseball, or I'm done with baseball, or I've moved on. And I get it, or upset, but I feel like if you're, if you're a diehard fan, once that first game goes on, you're going to be watching, most likely. I mean, that's just not, maybe wrong. But the fact that you took the time to write that tweet to express how mad you are, that tells me that you care. That tells me that you're still passionate about this. Because otherwise, you wouldn't be responding to that tweet. You wouldn't really care that much. So, I don't know, maybe that's too much of an optimistic view. But I, I, part of me did feel that way, where those people wouldn't be expressing that if they didn't care about the game. No, I think you're right. And, you know, for all those people who said, I'm never going to watch baseball again, or I don't, even if they play this summer, I'm not gonna watch it we none of those people are around right now like you're not seeing that's not the narrative that we're seeing on social media right now and it's always a dangerous thing to uh judge a public opinion off social media but that being said there's a whole lot less of those things being said at this moment yeah 100 percent. i mean my mom even she's not on social media and she's like a diehard yankees fan and she would tell me the same thing oh i'm not gonna watch this year i'm tired of hearing this i'm tired of reading about this every single day um they can't just Make a deal, like what's up with these guys? You know, the money, and you know the whole thing. You know the whole spiel. I guarantee you, she's going to be watching. <laughs> I can guarantee you. And maybe there will be people who stick to their guns or who just resign to the fact of, hey, it's just not worth it. Um, and and cool, that's that's fine. I mean, that's that's at a certain point admirable, even if that's your stance on it. I mean, I don't blame you um, to some extent, but I feel like the the majority of people who did express that it, it does hold true. Where it's like easy to say that now when something's going on and the bickering is ugly 
and you're frustrated because you thought we were close and we weren't. But now that it's all done, and if we if we do get to the point where the games are finally played, I think people will be tuning in. I'm pretty sure about that. All right, last question before we actually talk about real baseball stuff. What's your concern level right now that the pandemic is still going to cause there to possibly not be a baseball season? Oh, pretty high, actually, um, just because I feel like every time you look, there, there's a high number of people tested. So it just becomes a question of um, how much is okay. Like, how, how much is the sport going to be okay? Like, And I don't know the answer to that one. Um, you know, how many guys is enough to keep playing? Um, that people are going to continue to test positive for it. I mean, that's it's just, that's not, people haven't even reported yet. And <laughs> we're, we're talking about people testing positive. I mean, we'll see next week. I think that will bring this upcoming week when, when guys start to go into the uh, facilities, the home ballparks where most people are playing at or training at. We'll find out. Um, I mean, it's just not something that I'm totally confident in at this moment, just because this virus. Where how many how many months into this and, and how much can we actually say about it with conviction? Yeah, I can't I can't say too much about it, right? So uh, it's just it's still so much is unknown and there's still a lot of action in place. So uh, I'd be hard pressed to, to give you a high confidence level on this one, but like everybody else, hoping for the best. Um, I'd like to see baseball, but my level of concern for safety is still pretty high as well. So I feel like I, that, that's an opinion a lot of people have, where you acknowledge both sides of it and you just hope for the best. How do you feel this Brewers team is built for this 60-game sprint that they're going to have? Um, pretty well. After I, like My first inclination was not that great, but I kind of talked myself into believing that with all the circumstances surrounding it, they're actually built pretty well because we just talked about, we just talked about how unpredictable COVID-19 has been and will still be. Uh, so this is, it's not as if like these 60 games are played in a vacuum where they just decide to you know cut the season apart and okay here's 60 games. There's a lot, you know there's a global pandemic going on where we have guys testing positive and you don't know how much continuity continuity your roster is going to have. And so it's such a deep roster and stable of quality major leaguers that the Brewers have. I think they'll be well suited for this type of situation where again you don't know how much continuity you will have. And then plus you add in the factor that, yeah, maybe they don't have five or six superstars on this team, but they have arguably the second best player on the planet in Christian Yelich. And we've already seen how much he can carry a team in short bursts, or for that matter, the long haul of 162. I kind of laugh as I say short bursts because of the statistical, you know, the season totals he's had. Uh, but we've seen the hot stretches is what I'm referring to. Uh, we've seen how hot he started the season last year. Uh, he put up video game numbers through the first 60 in 2019. So I'm sure he's more than capable of doing something similar this time around as well. And that will help, of course. They're just a team that I look at that you have to avoid long losing streaks in this. Like That's, that's going to crush you. Even a five-game skid will, will crush you. Um, you have to keep those losses to one, two, three at most, that sort of thing, and then snap it, get a win. And I feel like the Brewers will win in so many different ways, and they're they're built that way. That's going to help them. Um, I mentioned the the quality of major leaguers that they have. The pitching staff is pretty deep. Uh, again, not the best starting rotation in baseball, but it's a deep one, and they have options. And so 
with a guy like Freddie Peralta or Corbin Burns. Those guys are more than capable of fishing up two innings. Matt Kersey, Josh Lindblom, or somebody else gives you three or four innings, whatever it is. Um, you don't have to play by the traditional rules. You don't have to have a five-man rotation. You don't have to do this. You could use Josh Hader in a variety of ways. The correct counsel made the point of saying, we're not playing every game like it's game seven here just because of 60 games, but the Brewers are one of those teams that could, that could play around and um, do some unconventional things, and they have on their correct counsel, so they're suited pretty well. Um, I don't know what the projections are across the board, but I wouldn't be surprised if a few of them um, you know, had them even coming close to winning Central or within those first two, two teams, maybe three teams. Um, and that's pretty much a given for me, at least. Do you think there's a benefit to, if you're the Washington Nationals, you've got all these stud starting pitchers who can go deep into games, but half of your season, guys aren't going to be stretched out yet, so you're not really going to be able to take full opportunity, where if it's a 162-game season, you're going to have those fully stretched out pitchers for 85% of the time, where this year, teams that are built on strong starting pitching that's given you seven innings or more, they're, they're probably only going to be able to get that from guys 40 to 50% of the season, where that's not the way the Brewers are built. The Brewers are built outside of Brandon Woodruff with a lot of guys that can go give you five, six innings and hand it over to the bullpen. Is there a is there a benefit to the way the season is? The Brewers are kind of built for how it's going to be for everybody for the whole year, if that makes any sense. It does, yeah, absolutely. That's certainly a valid point. Because those first couple of weeks, I had Craig on this on my conference call that he did the other day. It's just how ready are your guys, pitchers, and particularly the starting pitchers, or the guys that are going to be tasked to give you more innings or outs, as sometimes he likes to call them. Um, how ready are those guys? And, you know, he said that, that guys have been pitching to live batters where they live or uh, doing the best they could in bullpens and that sort of thing, getting their arms ready. So he expects people to be ready, and, and, and so do I, based on everything I heard. But I don't know, does that mean guys are capable of going four or five innings? I'm not sure about that. Um, we're not even talking about, like, say, six. I mean, we're talking about four or five, and I'm not even sure. So for those first two weeks, could somebody give you maybe three or four quality innings um, in their first turn or two? And then you could turn to the guys that like I mentioned before who could log you another three or four before you get to uh, your best arms in the bullpen if you're going for a close game. Uh, the Brewers have those options, so they're going to be suitable for those situations. Like the other side of that, mention a team like, uh, like Nationals or uh, one of those other teams that have those star studded rotations. Where that will help, though, is if we get to the playoffs. Um, that will show show again. Like but that, that will be a thing that will be so valuable in this because it always is. Uh, I'd always prefer to have that set up um, than the Brewers' not traditional way of doing things a little bit uh, because I do feel like in, in the playoffs that that does still matter so much. Mm-hmm. But for these six games and the way it's positioned and the fact that we're getting these three weeks of uh, sort of a training camp into this. Yeah, I, I like their chances with this group. Are you curious to see how they're going to handle the designated hitter? Yeah, I would expect Ryan Braun. Yeah. Like most people, he's the most logical pick. So I would expect him to get the bulk of the action there. But they could do a variety of other things as well, such as plug Christian Yelich at DH and keep his bat in the lineup and still give him a day off in the field. I think that's a critical thing that, not for nothing, but 
hadn't really seen that floated around all too much, but that's that could be critical um, because sixty games is still six, sixty games in sixty six days is still a lot um, in a short period of time. So that's a critical little thing that can help him down the road. You could also put Keston here at DH, get better defensively with that's Brock Holder, Luis Urias at second base, or keeping Orlando Arcia at shortstop, that sort of thing. Um, or we could see a uh, Omar Narvaez play a little bit more DH if he's going hot with his bat and they want Manny Pena to provide um, a better, you know, just have a better defender out there, a better catcher, a better receiver there behind the plate. So, you can do a bunch of different things out there. I, I think, again, um, hate to say this again and, 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 to, and to give them so much credit here, but, but they are one of the more better suited teams for the DH and the NL. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. By the way, as somebody who has not been here yet, just wait until Christian Yelich gets a day off for a huge game and wait to see how the fan reacts. As, as somebody who hosts the post-game show and gets to take those phone calls, it's, it gets interesting on those days that Yelich does not play. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Um, again, uh, thankfully for the, these Brewers fans that you're talking about, they do have that DH, so I – um, this could be one of those where maybe you don't get as many yeah. those complaints. Yeah, absolutely. hopefully, right? Um, but yeah, I, I, and frankly, I don't blame them. I mean, that's that's that's, that's part about being a fan, right? Uh, those high demands, especially when uh, you're in those two positions of manager and superstar player. Last thing for it's not Brewers related. I hope you don't mind me asking you this question, but I'm a huge supporter of the Athletic. I've loved all the content from the beginning. I think every sports fan should be subscribing. The whole world and especially sports media has been hit real hard by the pandemic. Anybody who's on social media knows that the company had to have some layoffs and things like that recently. Just when you're in a company and that's going on, I think most of us who are in media have experienced something like that. But how challenging is that when you're part of a team that's really building something incredible and you're seeing some of those teammates not get the opportunity to continue on? No, I don't. I don't mind the question at all. Frankly, I, I appreciate you even asking because it does stink. Um, it's something that you hate to see, and it's uncomfortable because, especially even like when you're somebody who does, you know, fortunately, thankfully, get to keep their job. You're like, wow, um, that could have been me, and it's real, and you feel that, and thanks, you hate it. It's your friends, it's your colleagues, it's people that you work with or work with just yesterday or want to call tomorrow. So, like that part sucks. You know, it's. And it, it's not fun at all. Um, and you know, my heart still goes out to them when you when you when you bring it up and you talk about it. Um, yeah, it just stinks. You shake your head at it. So yeah, the athletic certainly wasn't immune to it. I mean, we're doesn't take much to put the dots together. We're uh, a subscription based website that covers sports. <laughs> we're not covering the news um, like a traditional newspaper will do with their website. Our focus is sports, and so. If, we're in, if you're in a global pandemic and unemployment's reaching lows and there's unrest in the country, um, you know, paying for sports subscriptions like could be a hard sell. But that's why we try our best to come up with exclusive content or um, quality written work or story ideas that are out of the box. It just makes you say, okay, you know what? That is worth paying for. That is something I'm super interested in. That could take my mind off a couple of things. Um, so it just makes that reinforced a bit. Um, and I will say that 
the people who do run the company have done a great job in communication throughout it all for us. So we are in a good spot with that. Super thankful for the approach that they've taken with just the details and the communication. And it, it does feel like a, a really great place to work. It, it, I'm not just, I'm not towing any company line here, uh, to be frank. Um, I've worked at other companies that just, you didn't get this vibe, you didn't get this feeling that they actually did care. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it could be a lot worse, and I, and I understand that. Um, so I, I wake up and I'm thankful. Yeah, great answer, and I appreciate you addressing that. Hey, Will, uh, really, I am glad the baseball seemingly is going to get started here in a month or so. I can't wait to uh, to just read all of your in-season stuff. Thank you so much for the extended conversation. Look forward to talking to you again real soon. Oh, no, man, I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Will Salmon joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Certainly appreciate him taking a few moments with us and uh, look forward to getting him back on the podcast at some point in the relatively near future. As we do start to uh, wrap things up, first off, let's tell you what our Brewers Classic game is going to be this upcoming Wednesday night. Going to go back to the 1982 World Series. We're talking about the Brewers and the Cardinals. Game for October 16th, a game that the Brewers won by a 7-5 score. And you are going to be able to hear all the action of it coming up Wednesday night, 6 o'clock on WTMJ. And for folks who are in the WTMJ listening area, you will also be able to stream it at WTMJ. Once again, my thanks to uh, Will Salmon for joining us on the podcast. We are so glad that we are actually able to start talking about baseball and not just labor negotiations. And as uh, the uh, summer camp is going to be getting underway here this upcoming week, next week on the podcast again, we're going to be able to talk about baseball things uh, as we record this on Sunday night. The Brewers had yet to release their summer camp roster and everybody who's going to be taking part in it, so we weren't able to break that down. We'll try to do that a little bit next week and just go through all the news and notes because that's what we're finally moving towards a period where we are absolutely going to be able to talk about baseball, and that is good news. My appreciation to Will Salmon of The Athletic. My appreciation to you for being tuned in. We'll talk to you again next week for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.